Welcome back to I Did This Instead of Killing Myself, stand-up comedy and lifestyle podcast I host out of my apartment. My guest today is Kelby Tidy. Uh, Kelby's a good buddy of mine. He is a Greenville Spartanburg stand-up comedian, also a former GI nurse for the Army, and uh, now yoga instructor. Kelby's a trip, great guy. We talked about who would win in a death match between a Chick-fil-A employee and a Publix checkout person. Got to hear his Bill Clinton impression, which is awesome, one of my favorites, and got to hear his life advice as well. So, had a blast. Hope you enjoy our interview. Here it is. What's up, dude? What's up, dude? Uh, here we are with another interview of I Did This Instead of Killing Myself. Uh, my guest today is a very funny comedian and good friend of mine, Kelby Tidy. Thanks for having me in the Rolex Studios. I like where you're going with this. I'm not supposed to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what he's talking about. But yeah, we're here in my apartment, Kelby T. Uh, What do you go by now, Kelby T Comedian? Yeah, uh, on social media, Kelby T Comedian. But like Kelby, you just call me Kelby. My stage name's Kelby T. Right. Any way I can avoid the titty situation is primarily why I do that. And one of my favorite jokes that you do is how the telemarketers can't pronounce your name. I mean, every you name it, dude. Doctor's appointments, like Mr. AT&T. Titty. Uh, can I speak to Mr. Titty? I'm like, <laughs> every time my whole life, so. Right. Not on the fucking stage. That's why I changed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was going to say watch the F-bombs, but that might be a foregone conclusion. Oh, uh, well, I'll try my best. I'm dirty I could, and raw. I could edit. I could add 50 bleeps to this. It's no big deal. Oh, bro. Let's do it like Jerry Springer, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. You do you, man. Uh, but yeah. Kelby is uh, a good friend of mine. I met Kelby uh, in Greenville, South Carolina um, at my first open mic, and that was now nine months ago. Wow. So, similar to Matt Addy we just had on. Nine months, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'd only did it like a couple times like before. I think I did it like one Tuesday a, a week for like a month. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you were there before us a little bit, and I remember you gave some advice <laughs> on our first open mic. I thought you were like a professional comic, like you were like, dude, I got it all figured out. Like, you got to get your uh, your your talking muscle going. You got to you got to talk to the other comics before. I was like, okay, let's make conversation. I got to yeah. be social because I was I was just crapping my pants. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I love that. Um, I don't think there's anybody in the Greenville scene that has more uh, enthusiasm for comedy. Uh, yeah, and uh, just keeps doing it, you know, despite yeah. when we bomb and all that. Yeah, dude. I mean, I guess it's like just the willpower in me and shit. Yeah. Now I'm silly. I'm not a hard ass like I was in the army. I was a hard ass, right? But I took those leadership skills and applied it. You know, like I had no idea what the fuck I was doing with Habib's. Yeah. But I made it, and now we got a Monday room. You right. Know? Right. So Kelby's referring to uh, Habibas. Well, it's actually, it's Habib's. Peachy Tom had to correct us. Is it Habib's? Habib's. H-A-B-I-B apostrophe Oh, I thought we were shortening it and getting it into slang now. No, okay, I so it's Habib's. My, yeah, I put my country twang on it. Habib's. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. Okay, so Habib's is a Mediterranean restaurant in Greenville. That's the level we're at, folks, right now. <laughs> um, but Monday nights, we do comedy there. Kelby started that room. And I actually love that room because it's like... Any uh, comedian you hear talk about stand up, they always reference like their hell gigs early on, mm-hmm. and uh, 
It's typically something like that, like a Chinese restaurant or something. Yeah. So, uh, Kelby's from Spartanburg, South Carolina. So, tell us a little bit about Spartanburg. <clears throat> well, that's where I went to college at. I went to University of South Carolina Upstate there for nursing. Uh, I was in the National Guard in Union, which is where I'm originally from, where I went to high school. And did an ROTC at Wofford in Spartanburg. Spartanburg, you'll have a lot of stuff there. I mean, there's six colleges, but a lot of people don't progress. You just get stuck there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a place called Chiefs back in the day, which was the watering hole of Spartanburg. And my father used to rip and run there. Yeah. I mean, just so think local of the bar, just, he'd... just think of the worst. Remember I did the joke about 40-year-old women. <laughs> just imagine, like, that whole cult of, like, people that were the diamond plaid jeans and, like, affliction T-shirts. Right, right. And, like, only drink Bud Light out of, like, the metal can. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I mean, no offense. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but that was kind of – that was Chiefs, you know. Okay. So, um, you grew up – I mean, your comedy – like, if you've never seen Kelby before, it is it is pretty <laughs> in your face, uh, you know, a little on the vulgar side, um, definitely Southern. And uh, you were raised – you said you had a black parents? Yeah, so I had – you know, I had a white dad, mm-hmm. white mom. Mm-hmm. They split when I was nine. And then Donald Dwayne Carson, or Dwayne, he came in my life for about five years. And uh, he stayed with us. And, you know, I, he was he was a good role model to me, a good father figure. Mm-hmm. And then hanging out with his family. And then the babysitter I had, Miss Ernestine Gore, mm-hmm. out of uh, Lockhart, South Carolina. You know, just growing up around African-American people sure. at a very young age. You know, you, sure. you get off to school. You go babysit, go stay at Miss Ernestine's. Yeah. Then you go back, and then, you know, we step that's there. It's kind of like you, your white dad's not even there. You kind of forget about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting because I feel like it affects your comedy. I mean, I always get an interesting, interesting yeah. perspective. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you think, I mean, that, that influenced kind of how you write and how you perform on stage? <clears throat> I noticed that doing comedy in black rooms, you got to have your swag on 100%. Yeah. You can't show any self-conscious or anything like that but I, i'm not a cocky person i'm very level-headed so uh-huh. i don't know what i convey on the outside like it's funny to hear you talk about my comedy because i'll do like some jokes and just move on to new jokes and go through a joke phase and work them out and move on right like i don't really have like you know guaranteed jokes that i think of y'all you know okay so your style's more kind of flowing um, all over the f- experience place. yeah 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 um well, it's interesting you mentioned the black uh, black rooms. I agree. I mean, I love uh, performing or watching black mm-hmm. comedians. There's, there can be kind of like a different energy. Um, the mm-hmm. best I've ever seen you do, or one of the best times, was when we did the Wiling Out show <laughs> in Spartanburg. It was like a charity for the yeah. local community. And it was a mostly uh, black audience. And mm-hmm. uh, it was super fun doing the skits. But I remember you did, I think you did a five-minute set. And yeah. you were killing. Um, I could account for the four white people that were there. It was myself, <laughs> you, Dwight Fella, uh-huh. and then uh, Zach. What was his name, Zach? Wakefield. Uh, I'm blanking right now. Yeah, Zach Wakefield. There was only four white dudes there. So it was one of those situations where, like, you got to have your swag on 100%. Yeah. Coming in there. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, I asked for a medium. And they gave me a schmedium. <laughs> so your t-shirt, you're just <laughs> it was busted way too out of small, it. bro. Yeah. But I use that shit as like a tender pick for a little bit. I can't lie. Yeah. Wilding out gear. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
that was a good time, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it's cool that your material, I mean, because that was right in the heart of Spartanburg. I mean, you're from there. Yeah. You kind of know the community, you know. Yeah, and it's uh, it's heavy all. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. it's funny, like El Paso and Spartanburg are similar because you can be a minority. Mm-hmm. I like being a minority sometimes, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like going to El Paso, if you didn't speak Spanish at the Washerette, they were like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, no hablo. Yeah. You know? So, but, you know. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things, too, to do is, because uh, I, I studied Spanish mm-hmm. in uh, in college. So I love speaking with, uh, you know, native Spanish speakers. It's really fun to practice. And they don't mind that you, uh, you do Yeah, it. they all think it's silly anyway. Yeah, like they're like, because well, I suck. I mean, I don't know enough words to, like, really hang. So they're like, <laughs> oh, he's trying. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's nice to get those different perspectives. But so I was gonna ask you, hit me with a joke, maybe one I haven't heard before. I don't know. Okay, <clears throat> if you have, it's cool. If you have, so one, I'll take you through the. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll take you through the mind of a joke to me. Okay, like how I, I make it. So one time I was in Publix, and they don't let you tip them. The people that take out your groceries, like they obviously they made them a, a sticker or sign that says we do not accept tips. And put it yeah. on their thing, right? Yeah. And they're so f-ing nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're like the Chick-fil-A people. Yeah, yeah. And boom. So I thought, put a Publix person in a padded room and then put somebody from Chick-fil-A in a padded room and tell them they have to kill each other or only or, or both of them die, right? <laughs> so like one of them has to do it, right? Right. But as soon as you get the Chick-fil-A person, it doesn't matter. It's going to be their pleasure to die anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> so when I sit there and I think and I'm like, where's the people are like, where's the punch rule of three, all this incongruity. I'm like, no, just think about it. Like green shirt, red shirt, <laughs> no weapons, just hands. Yeah. Maybe a name tag. Yeah. You know, Chick-fil-A's always got a belt. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the Publix guy might beat the Chick-fil-A guy. You think so? Yeah. Well, Chick-fil-A's Christian. So the chick, the Christian guy might sacrifice himself before the. The public, I mean, the public guy probably resort to his depravity. I mean, he's probably hungry. He's well, like a, just a Christian, they can defend themselves. I mean, true. Yeah, true. I mean, they don't. Yeah, you don't have to be literally Jesus, I guess. Yeah. So, who do you think? Like, if we had to set them up like Mortal Kombat, like who would have the speed, agility, and durability? Or you know, I would ask who at Publix are we talking? Are we talking the guy that bags it? Are we no. talking about the? Are we talking about like a no. woman who's like? Uh, it can ru- be a varying sex. Okay. <laughs> Because, you know, Publix has a butcher. Like, if the butcher was the guy. You know, I'm talking about checkout people. Checkout people. Checkout people with the vest on, bro. Okay. The the sh- the, the tank top vest with two pockets. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think grocery stores <laughs> hire a lot of ex-cons. So, I might. They do. They do. You've seen uh, Shawshank, right? Isn't that yeah. what the job Red gets after he gets out? Oh, I Morgan guess. Morgan Freeman's I mean, character. Well, I mean, he's, that was back He's before. bagging people up. At a, at a grocery store. Yeah, I was back before corporate, you know, like Publix. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But I, I accept that. Okay. So I would say Publix, dude, all the way. I don't know okay. what the Chick-fil-A guy. What do you think? I want the I want the, um, I want the girl that's been told uh, she can't date black guys <laughs> in the South. <laughs> I want that girl. And she just gobbles up like some like uh, a you know what I'm saying? Like I, it's, I've seen it. Now I'm not shitting on anybody, bro. I'm telling you, okay. <laughs> this is the stuff that you need to hear about. 
it got shunned upon in the South for black dudes to. That yeah. was in my parents' grandparents' generation. I know there are a lot of pastors who do not like interracial marriage. Yeah, it's so. bullshit, right? Yeah. I felt that it was yeah, it, was it was like karma from the South coming my way, and I nipped it in the bud. Mm-hmm. But I would I would take her because she's angry, bro. Wait, but you tell- think she's the Chick Fil A employee or she's the public? yeah? She's a Chick Fil A employee. Oh, her, it's okay. Brittany, Brittany, okay. Bl- Brittany, long golden hair, big tits, okay. short. You know, like five four, thick. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I would take her on against like two or three. I would take her on against like two bag boys. <laughs> but that's that's how I do. A There's job. a lot of variables. <laughs> I just think Chick Fil A people are so conditioned; they're like almost brainwashed. It seems like I used to work at Chick Fil A, dude. You'd be a great Chick Fil A employee. I would not hated it. Well, you hated it. Well, yeah. I just mean when you were like in work mode, I could see you dressed pretty dapper in the Chick Fil A uniform and. It's My stupid. Pleasure. It's stupid. I don't know. I smell. I, I just smell like chicken. That's what I smell like. I yeah. smell like golden chicken for like eight hours. Yeah. And I'm like, F- this job. <laughs> I was working it for like extra money in college. Dude, that is the worst part about working at a restaurant is your clothes will smell like it. I mm. in high school I worked at an Italian restaurant, man. Oh. But it's kind of like a greasy oh. hole in the wall, like pizza and grinders, breadsticks. So here's here's the big question. This is all I need to know. Do they have hardwood floors or carpet? Carpet. Oh yeah, that's a shitty place. <laughs> <laughs> it's just got like the smell of like years just moldy carpet baked in. Yeah, the dining area had carpet. The uh, kitchen area had linoleum. We had to mop that crap. But like it was a floor yeah. that you couldn't ever get fully clean. Oh, like that red. Like it was brick white road. at one point. Oh shit. But like it was, you know, over the years, like it doesn't matter how much because. High school people work there. You'd half-ass closing, you know. You oh, wouldn't, yeah. um, you wouldn't do a great job. So, it was nasty back there, but the food was amazing. It was almost like I shouldn't. I didn't name the name of the place yet. So okay, uh, yeah. but you know, almost like it made it taste better. Yeah, yeah. I like Italian. Yeah, it's 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 good, man. I worked at Olive Garden too, bro. You did knock off Italian hospitaliano. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think that was where you're supposed to take girls on dates. I'll yeah. yeah, I mean it's a decent date spot. You know, I like uh, Whitney Cummins did a joke about that about like why would you take a girl? She's like, I don't want to fuck after Olive Garden because I'm filled up with fettuccine alfredo <laughs> breadsticks and I got a fart. You want to oh fuck me? Gosh, <laughs> credit to her. I'll never and like any time I think of ever taking a girl on a date, I think of Whitney Cummins now. Yeah, that joke. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's hot. I like her. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I need to ask, uh, what was your biggest failure in life? Like a story that sticks out to you is like the biggest dumpster fire ever. It could be bombing on stage or it could be, you know, okay. something in life. I mean, something in life might be more uh, interesting. But. My previous marriage, I'll tell you. <laughs> I learned a lot from it, bro. I learned a lot, man. I, ca- I came out first as a victim and then I played a victim mentality. And then I understand the wrong that I did, and then I learned from it, and then I loved her again for both of us because we have a daughter not to be in love with her again, right? Mm-hmm. And I could feel like her opening up without us even talking and stuff. You know, like you're attached to people. so. But that was the biggest fuck up, man. I'll tell you why. Because I just wasn't doing shit with my life. I was. I got out of the Army for PTSD for not being able to handle a bunch of shit. Uh-huh. And then I took like a couple jobs. First job I took was a psych nurse at a uh, mental health in, um, hospital. In so you Kentucky. saw a lot of stuff there, I bet. 
Dude, it was so stupid. Like I'm telling, I I was so out of my mind that the first job I got as a registered nurse after I got medically retired from the army because I couldn't perform my duty as a registered nurse was at a psych hospital. You were working there. You weren't a patient. No, I got working there. You know, but you could have been a patient, arguably. Absolutely. Yeah, like I could have probably just chilled, took my name tag off, and fit right in. Oh my goodness! But you know, I did that. How long were you married? So you got married after that? <clears throat> yeah, no, I got married uh, in 2016 in El Paso, Texas. Okay, we were we were coming up on our five year anniversary last year. So, but took a couple shit jobs. Then I did home health, registered nursing, around. Then I did DOD conscious sedation GI nurse recovery and sedation i did that for like a year and a half it was okay. good money and that was when shit hit the road and my marriage really went downhill so okay just uh so what'd you take out of it the all of it well you know you're kind of on the other side of it now you look back like what did you take away from i learned that in a relationship somebody has to be the rock and both me and my ex-wife janine which i still love her in a way you know, mm-hmm. I, th- I still think she's very beautiful, you know, and we both did terrible things against each other. Yeah. So it's like hands are washed. Yeah. You know, but I learned is that when both people are hurting in a relationship, somebody has to be the rock, mm-hmm. the foundation of this is where we stand, not emotionally all over the place. And I could feel like we all oscillated that over years and it just got too much. Yeah. And nobody was the true stability in the relationship. But I'm glad it happened because look at me now. Yeah. You know, I miss my daughter. <laughs> I miss her a lot, but f- look at me now, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're loving what you're doing and you're, and I'm, you're, I'm and you're a lot happier. Yeah. And to piggyback off the GI, I was making, like I said the other day, with I was making, I was on track to make 100 Gs a year, but I was like, for what? 40 hours a week. This is way funner. Way funner. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, we're doing this thing. Um, I like what you said about the uh, being the rock and how that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that, uh, and it didn't like. I didn't realize that until a lot of failed relationships in my early twenties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, you kind of have to have your own stuff figured out, yeah. um, or at least fake it. <laughs> Or uh, that can cause, um, yeah, that that can cause well problems because then you know she may perceive uh, instability and weakness. So. I mean, what do they view that as? It's like we get thrust. Think of the world we live in. We we're babied all the way to we're eighteen. Yeah. We go to college, party our balls and our pussy off, <laughs> and then we get thrust in this money making machine to where, yeah. uh, what is it? Um, security is based on materialism. Yeah. Money. So, like, when you get – that's why, like, the young professional, once you get past the real horny age, 28, 29, 30, mm-hmm. they start looking at your bank account more than your penis. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what's going on? Yeah, well, there are those practical things that help, like, if you <clears throat> if you have money or if you have, st- or uh, like, a, a good job, whatever. But you still mm-hmm. have to kind of, like, be your own guy, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Um, if you're still worried about what other people think. Um, oh, you mean, like, taking care of yourself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be. You should have goals. You should be moving towards oh, something. Yeah. You know, um, that's what I. Th- I mean, I'm obsessed with like list writing and stuff like that. But oh, yeah. uh, you cross them out. Does it make you nut when you cross them out? Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's like a little dopamine kick. I read that somewhere. So my like, psychologist told me that. 
about uh, list making? Uh, a, B, C list. Okay. A is what you have to do. B is what you want to do. Yeah. C is if you have time. Right. And you can circle that. And if you don't get it done, just circle it and bring it to the next day. Sure. So it's just like you're just crossing out or circling it. Yep. Mind fuckery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I, do you practice that? I do. I've learned it as a yogi, man. I got to do a lot. I'm, I'm getting ready to start giving speeches and stuff okay. like that from what I've learned. Yeah, but, Kelby's also uh, he uh, certified yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. So a yogi, right? A bhakti yogi. A bhakti yogi. Mm-hmm. Um, Just means you're very devout to God. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a spiritual person. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what helped me through that, you know, in stand-up and stuff. Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, speaking of stand-up, um, why did you get started doing it, and uh, what do you love about it? Well, in summary, because I respect the omens. Like, I <clears throat> I had an omen just from the book, The uh, Alchemist. The Alchemist, okay. Yeah. I haven't read that. So, it was a different one. But um, I reconciled with my mother, and I asked her what she thought I would be, and she had no idea my intentions. Three days later, I talked to her, and she's like, well... When you were a kid, you were just always so like silly and stuff like Mad TV and the impersonation. I, I just always thought you would do that. Yeah. And I'd been on the ledge of jumping to be a comedian, listening to podcasts for years and stuff. Okay. Not making the plunge. And then I plunged and yeah. then I just did it. And then I was getting divorced and I was going through the worst time of my life. And I was like, what? if I'm going to suck anyway, just do it and do comedy at the same time because you're sucking. It's not like double suck. Like you're in the suck, right? Yeah. And so now like things are going up way better. Cause I've been in a f- hole. Yeah. And now I'm on the rock, you know, way up. Yeah. Stand up's <laughs> one thing that I think improves with bad circumstances. Like yeah. if you have a really crappy thing happen to you, um, that's great. Uh, fodder, I guess, material for, for being on stage. Yeah. Um, I mean, the omens can't lie about me being a comic. I'm going to write a book about that shit one day. Okay. <clears throat> the omens point it all in this direction. So that's why I have full faith yep. in what I'm doing. Right. Well, it's uh, it's comforting to have that so you have that confidence on stage. And then I'm that rock for y'all. Yeah. Without even – somebody, my mom told me that. She's like, you don't realize how these guys look up to you. I was like, I'm just doing my job, you know, just sucking like the rest of them. She's like, no. So it brought my attention, you know. Yeah. Being the f-ing rock. Well, there's something to be said for that. Like the fact that, I mean, little things for, uh, you know, the open mic scene is like the people that keep showing up, you're like, well, Kelby's going to be there. Like, I think about that. <laughs> like, the, like it's hard to, it's hard for me to think about stopping doing it. Like, well, Kelby's going to be there, you know, yeah. uh, Matt's going to be there. Like, I can't not show up. Like, I feel like, you know, yeah. they're committed. Like, I like how you rolled up at Habib's, bro. Yeah. Like, with your horn. <laughs> what's up bitches what's up <laughs> let's do this yeah you come in hot yeah you got to yeah too nervous otherwise <laughs> uh, don't know what to do half the nights yeah D- hey can i ask your pa- i don't give you don't can ask me a question some podcast or not bro because we all change do you think my hosting slap last night bro yes Bro. Yes, I do, and you knew I thought this. So you you Can asked you this. me up again because I got I'll sauce, about I'll it. sauce you up on video. I I sauced <laughs> him up right after. I uh, I said to you, I don't know what got into you, but you were hilarious. You were uninhibited. You were riffing. 
Um, and you just seemed uh, kind of different. Like you weren't, uh, you had no um, anxiety about being up there. You just riffed. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I still love your your Bill Clinton impression. Like yeah. the indecisive Bill Clinton. It's such a good thing. I've been blessed with that. They've been able to do yeah, some. Write that down and keep that. That's no. I got it on my set. I'm gonna practice it because it's such a good tag you can throw in at any uh, time. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you ever f- around and like you have a can of pop or like a uh, a bottle of soda or whatever, and you don't close it all the way, and the carbon carbonation starts leaking through the lid and it has that real high-pitched noise yeah yeah people are like what the f- is that noise is that that's what he sounds like yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> kill monica i guess i don't know kill monica kill her, kill her. <laughs> that bitch is gonna talk he's gonna talk <laughs> so when i first started doing that joke at radio room i would come up with like a bill clinton george bush hybrid because i would mix the yeah dude together so <laughs> yeah i think uh we were just improving because we didn't have enough comics that night and adam was not there so he let us host which is mm-hmm. a mistake <laughs> Yeah, you hosted we, that night, right? Yeah, well, I did. I did some at the beginning, but I feel like you hosted too. By the end, or you know, we're doing things. Yeah. Uh, and didn't we do the Q and A as well? I think. I think what it is, we did the Q and A, and then I did the impersonations after. Or something yeah. Like that. So for those who don't know, uh, at open mics, usually comics just come and tell their jokes and get off stage. But one of the open mics here in Greenville at the Radio Room, uh, we do a Q and A session at the end so one comic goes up and we just ask questions in an interview so somebody thought that was kind of a cool slick idea yeah but it's pretty fun yeah it, it you know if there's only comics there it's not that fun yeah <laughs> sorry where's the crowd at look we're here we're doing it yeah big time in it comedy comedy uh They'll show up eventually. We're funny, though. Have, we've gotten a lot funnier since I we started. I think so. I think we just stopped caring about anything. Yeah. I don't funny. know. I don't know if it's funny. I didn't, you guys didn't laugh at, at any of my stuff last night. It's harsh in that room. I'll still laugh. I know that what you get on stage, like with the competition that you got on stage, your energy comes. I can tell immediately when you walk on a stage whether your set's going to slap or not because I know some of your shit yeah. and you improv a little bit. But yeah, when you were at, uh, radio room last week uh-huh. and you did uh, until you do something about that fucking homeless guy <laughs> and you didn't say it like you were saying it in a joke you say it like you were there in the moment like about that fucking homeless guy uh, yeah, yeah like I felt like I was getting PTSD already and <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even there <laughs> but I could tell by that energy it was like oh he's gonna slap that's yeah. the energy that that energy you had and that delivery was energy you had that competition yeah and that's yeah. why you and slap well, I appreciate that. It's funny the energy levels can match the room. At Habib's, it's like you know. Yeah. But uh, you can bring it there too. But I'm trying uh, to get more black people there. I've been really networking with them. They good. all come after at eleven o'clock. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that are in the bar area. They don't come over. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll get it going. We'll yeah. Get it going. But yeah, Comedy Zone I think is the most fun stage stage in terms of like a big audience and. So do you like? I mean, I just go out and burn, you know me, dog. But the the networking, do you like that sign up early and gobbledygookity around for an hour? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. okay. I mean, I'm usually like 
exhausted and a little nervous or whatever. Yeah. So I don't like talking a ton before we go on stage there, but um, oh, it's I'll all right. Yeah. It's all right. I mean, I like networking in general with comics. I think everybody's really interesting. Usually they've, you know, got a good story yeah. like yours or um, a crazy reason why they're doing stand up. Uh, and they're brave people. I think, I think stand up is, uh, people that do it, no matter how bad you are, there's something to yeah. be said for doing it and being brave. Well, that's one it's of my definitely. secrets. I'll tell you, bro. I sauce up everybody before I go on stage. I like talking to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Working that muscle. Yeah. That's what you told me the first night. Like yeah. Said. Working that muscle. So if there's, if we got 20 comics there, like if you're, if you're in my room, I've talked to you a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't try to be creepy about it. I'll pay you if people show up. But the comedy zone, you sometimes you'll have like 30, 20 people. Yeah. And then like 25 comics. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I try to sauce everybody up and, yeah, you know. No, it's good to be nice to everybody. And not not for any bad reason, but I think this thing is so hard to do. And it's just mm-hmm. like it helps relax everybody. And there's no need to take it so seriously. And um, just only be by yourself and not talk to anyone. And it's not yeah. a competition either. Like, it's funny we have the competitions, but, like, it's not really, like... Yeah. I don't like... Because it's subjective anyway, and, like, it's not... I don't like getting people to, you know, whatever. Yeah, the audiences, a lot of them are tied. I know they do that and they have a judge vote. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of it was tied just because they were fucking tired anyway. Yeah. They were, like, they were like 20 people after a goal, and they're like, Jesus Christ, just <laughs> come already. Just give us the Yeah. Woo! Yeah, we'll take him. Uh, yeah. Who's st- huh? Oh, uh, finish your thought, dude. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm starting to learn as a consumer being there because I can't f-ing stay there. Once I do my set, I'm on and off, on and off. I don't like to sit there and watch. And I'm like, if I had to sit there and watch an hour and a half of that. Yeah. Somebody said we needed intermission. I can't remember who said that. But they do yeah. that at like Kings of Comedy Tour. They'll do an intermission. So. I'm worried they'll leave and won't come back. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> charge them up front. <laughs> charge them up front. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah, there is a five dollar cover at Habib's. Just FYI. Yeah, I split it up with all the comics. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I we appreciate that. I'm just giving you crap. <clears throat> uh, so, who's your favorite comic? Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz. That's right, bro. Why? I heard him on one uh, thousandth episode of. Joe Rogan podcast. I was a really big Joe Roganite back in the day. Yeah. I still and am. And then I fucking fell in love with him, man. Yeah. Because he talks about his trauma. He's always talking. It's like, I know he, I know he has to write some jokes because it's, uh, on stage is different than when he talks on the podcast, yep. but he just fucking talks and just lights you up all the time from talking. It's just kind of like that persona's always on. Yep. That's why I love it. Yep. You know, like Anthony Jeselnik, he's a heavy fucking surgeon, bro. Surgeon on the stage. But when he gets off, he's still kind of opened up a little bit. But Joey's the same person all the time, yeah. usually. Yeah, I actually talked to Matt Addy about that, how Jeselnik is more playing a character, and he's a savage joke writer mm-hmm. and very precise, whereas he compared it with Bill Burr. But, yeah, Joey Diaz is I, – I haven't heard enough of his stuff to really know, but I think he's uh, pretty true to his real – life character on yeah, stage i've heard all of his stories like he yeah. kidnapped a guy vela he did a lot of crime his mom died his dad died mm-hmm. he got taken in he kind of reminded me of my father but in a different way you know yeah trauma 
Yeah, you know he did uh, a lot of drugs, a lot of cocaine. Oh yeah, bro. He was uh, was he out in the L.A. scene? Comedy he was a store? comedy store veteran, so he got past the first go by um, Mitzi Short. Mitzi, yeah, the first time. Um, uh, Duck Stanhope brought him in. Okay. Uh, he was buddy buddy with Duck Stanhope. Duck Stanhope is hilarious. And Duck and they they got him in in a way he auditioned and he got it. Uh huh. And I think she liked Latinos, but still. She yeah. thought he was Latino, but it was Cubano. <laughs> yeah. You know? He was a good corrector. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you relate to him in how your background I do. Man, you know what I relate to him the most? I hate to say it, bro. I love you, Joey Diaz. I think he smokes too much weed. <laughs> I think he's got, like, a lot of trauma. Like, I used to be like that, man. I used to rip. Yeah. I used to rip, bro, instead of processing things. I don't know if Joey Diaz is going to see this or hear this. He will one day. <laughs> promise you <laughs> one day he's gonna be like you was right cocksucker you was fucking right cocksucker why you gotta help me like that you said you love me cocksucker that's what you did huh you gotta talk to me about it and the gum just flies out of his mouth oh yeah. my gosh no but I, that's what i relate to him the most i can see the hurt man i couldn't imagine my and you just came out with the truth his dad got laced his dad was doing coke and it got laced with something and he died in the middle of a bar wow and his mom had a heart attack, and he walked in on it. Had to call nine one one. She was blue. He grew up in New Jersey, rough on the streets, Cuban immigrant, robbing, stealing on the hood. You know, I just I don't know. I relate to people with trauma because I went through a lot of bullshit. So, yeah, yeah. Tough ass dude. Undeplorables, whatever you call us. The deplorables, <laughs> or whatever the word is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. I was going to ask what the biggest regret you had in your life was. Okay. Maybe outside of the, cause you already got the marriage story. Oh no. I thought about this one. Good. Okay. You know, I learned a lot as a yogi. I learned is that no matter what happens in this world, when you perceive it, you create the emotion. So okay. ultimately the responsibility is always with you. It's how you let the world affect you. Right. Okay. And I'm 29 about to be 30 in May. And I really regret that I didn't see how divine I was and how beautiful I was and how funny I was and how smart I was and how a good of a person I was. So I just low self-esteem. I just let the world beat me down. I let everything in the world affect who I thought of myself to be. Yeah. And then now you see me at this like a fucking butterfly coming out of it at like 30. Yeah. Know? But that was the biggest thing. At any moment, you can change your mentality, but... The omens pointed me in this direction to feel better about myself anyway. Sure. So. I uh, I relate to that as a struggle of, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I didn't go, th- like, th- not saying trauma or anything like that, but mm-hmm. uh, caring about what other people think. Yeah. There's a, uh, at the company I work for, uh, there's a personality profile and they, they kind of rate your strengths. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the strengths I have is called significance. Was and it the you, was it the country flags thing? The different four flags? No, it's a different one. Okay. It's it's by the Gallup organization. Okay. So and it's Strengths Finder. A lot of people use it. You can get that book, Barnes and Noble. It's like, and take the test yourself. But anyway, I have a strength that is uh, pretty high. That's called significance, meaning I care how other people perceive me like a lot, and that is kind of that can be crippling. And uh, because you're you're kind of acting out a lie, sort of, if you're if you're just 
you know, saying what you think other people want to hear instead of saying the truth instead oh, of yeah. being who you really want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right. So if you let that dictate it for too long, then you can kind of be, you can kind of get unhappy and uh, have regret because of what that leads to. So, Well, bro, I mean, no homo. I'm sorry you went through that, but you are a handsome gentleman. Like I always know if we're out on the plow, like David's got the first volley. I'm going to catch what's on round two or something. You always say this, dude. It's not true. <laughs> you're, you're what all the people want. You're no, tall, I, handsome, oh educated, okay. put together. Okay. You know what's up. <laughs> okay. No, that's nice of you. I appreciate it. Tell, you, tell yourself that that you're fucking handsome, David. Just I, say, I am handsome. I, I am handsome with there a big you, forehead. No, f*** you. <laughs> and I'm you know, probably going bald here. But... Uh, <laughs> It's all house of cards. And, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, if you care what other people think and you just, that'll, that'll run you down. You let the, you you know, you let your circumstances dictate how you, so yeah, I think bro. that's kind of what you're talking about. I'm not as, I'm not as spiritually, uh, with the, with the yoga stuff as you are, but yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still getting my stuff together. I'm no guru, bro. I'm just getting exposed. Yeah. You know, like I'm year one. <laughs> You know, you're one comedy, but you're you one yogi. Yeah, you learn so much, man. Yeah, you know, and then you take on other people's problems like a flock of sheep. You know, just like Jesus said. So I don't, I never want to do that. Like I'll give advice, but I'm not going to take people in and help them out and stuff like that until I have myself scored away. That's yeah. I think that's responsible. Yeah, you don't want to lead people the wrong way or assume. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot of responsibility in that. Like, you know, whether you're a mentor, a manager. Yeah, a, a yoga like a parent. You got to talk the talk and walk the walk. So I'm a, I'm like walking more walk every day. Okay, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I got one more question for you. Uh-huh. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, it was by uh, a master sergeant Bowman in ROTC training at Wofford, and he was such a hard nose. I needed I needed an ass in charge of me that was still had grace uh-huh so he would let you know you fucked up when you fucked up and when you didn't it was okay yeah yeah it was just like a good boundary system you know not overbearing right we were doing lanes one day and evaluating our leadership and he says you know what it's never as good as you think it's going and never as bad as you think it's going and that made so much sense to me and i try to apply that like sometimes if i think i'm bombing i'm like bruh at least i'm not day one yeah it's never as bad as i think i'm going yeah, that's that's great advice, and uh, that's funny. We didn't plan that at all, but I got that same piece of advice uh, from my football coaches, um, and uh, it was in the context of watching film, mm-hmm. because after every game, you'd uh, you'd watch you'd watch the film, you get a grade on how you did on every single play. Oh, damn! And when you're in the heat of the moment, in like in playing. You don't. Uh, you may have an idea of how well you did. You may think, "Oh, I blew that assignment," or, you know, I, or I, or I had a great play, or you just have this idea in your head. But it's all. It's it's just like you know, it's crazy. You know, bang bang plays. Um, it's hard to perceive really what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to the film room, you could think you had a great game, and then all these things will be pointed out to you that you could have done better. Um, so you could go into it thinking that, or you could think you had a horrible game and you messed up a bunch of times. And, and but you, you got some fundamentals. But you had right. a lot of good stuff that was in there. Yeah. And the coach would always say, "It's never as good as you think it's going to be. It's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Just uh, you know, analyze it, get better, move on, and, and move on to the next game." 
Um, and that's really helpful. And I agree with stand-up. It applies totally. Like yeah. If you think you bomb, there's little nuggets in there. There's something there. Yeah. Um, I challenge you. This is another one. It was kind of, this is the curt tale of it. I'm, I'm making this my own saying. Uh, one of my docs told me to keep your mind in neutral. Because if your mind is in the negative forward anxiety, mm-hmm. and if your mind is in the negative past depression, to keep your mind in neutral, and the only way to do that is to not focus on your memory or what you think is going to happen, so your memory or your ego, and just to be in tune with your senses at that time. That's it, observing. And uh, the mind in neutral, that was me last night, bro. Yeah. I was like, I'm not running off this stage. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Mind and I was, I didn't think about how good I'd done in the past or bad I'd done in the past, or I didn't think about anything. I was just in that moment. Yeah. Miles in neutral, bro. That's great. Yeah. I could sense that, man. You were definitely, you seemed at peace and comfortable and just in your element. Now watch me fucking bomb next week, but at least that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens, bro. You have a three day slapper. <laughs> you're, you're like, <laughs> then you just go bomb. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, uh, there's some metaphors for that. Like, um, you remember the matrix when Neo tries to, he's in the simulator and he tries to jump over the, uh, gap between the buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, and he has to like get his mind right that he can do it. Mm -hmm. Like, because he has to think about the reality that this isn't real. And, you know, so he tries to make the leap across the buildings and he starts to go, but then all of a sudden he loses it and he, you know, he starts to doubt and think this is real. And then he, he falls to his man. That's all we have. That's all we have is our perception mm-hmm. that makes our ego because our ego is just our perception. Yeah, that's it. So if we don't perceive, we don't have an ego. Mm-hmm. And then when that's your ego, you just have like your soul, which sometimes has a memory or don't. Yeah. That's what I've been learning with this yoga stuff. Bro. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other metaphor I thought of, well, this was in, in the Bible. Uh, who was it? Those are Jesus walks on water. And then one of the disciples gets out of the boat and he mm-hmm. starts to be able to do it. But then he, he takes his eyes off of uh, Jesus, Jesus and then he starts to drown. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. It's kind of the same idea of like. What if the world's minding? like that, bro? I don't know, dude. You're tripping me out. What if it really is? Yeah. And we just don't know it. <laughs> yeah. That's well, the, the matrix. <laughs> that's the matrix, dude. <laughs> Gotta be in the zone and you can dodge bullets. Jump over buildings. You know what I was I remember the it feels first that way on stage sometimes, dude. It does. When it's yeah. really going, it's like, oh my God. Don't you wish you know it would be different because remember that chick, she was like, Teach me how to uh drive a black cop helicopter and she's like Okay, I got it. Yeah. What if we said teach me how to do uh a big triple with incongruity? Okay, I got it. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. <laughs> So we're not in the matrix. <laughs> oh, if you could just download jokes and yeah, and, and, yeah. And, oh, like, they could teach you the skill of writing. yeah. Like, give me get all the observations that I had, bro. They're gonna catalog. Oh, don't no. get me started on the Eddie Bravo, Bravo stuff. Oh, yeah, dude. Unfortunately, one day. Yeah, joke writing's not like that. Well, we should probably wrap it up. It's been almost forty minutes. Oh, it's been over 40 minutes. Nice. Time flies. Beautiful. Well, thanks for coming on. Before we uh, go, how can people find you? What are your social media handles? Yeah, I'm on um, Facebook, Kelby T. Comedian. Instagram, Kelby T. Comedian. YouTube is Tidy Up. 
It's a work in progress. <laughs> Tidy up YouTube channel. It's supposed to be yoga and comedy, but I had to get better at both of them. <laughs> so now they're coming out at the same time, bro. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Yeah, catch me in Greenville. You know it. All right. Thanks a lot, Kelby. Thanks for watching. See you next time.